This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My gosh, you boys already know I'm not letting that Ramsey boy come over and play until you clean up your rooms. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's show, how do you know if an advisor is really on your team? We'll help you with some insights as Joe and OG share their top five red flags that an advisor might not be as good as you'd expect. In our headlines, speaking of advisors, what do advisors think when you want to speculate on a stock? A recent industry publication dives in, and so will we. Plus, I'll share some yummy Italian history trivia. Yummy? Amazing, amazing Italian history trivia. And now, two guys who are nearly as good as Bruschetta on a random Wednesday. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I don't like the word yummy, Joe. What's Bruschetta? (laughs) That's what I was wondering. You know what it is? Oh, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's the right way to say the word. Okay. Oh my God. Okay, Budapest. Welcome to the. <laughs> yes. Sure, sure, sure. Yes. That is the right way to say that word. Hey, everybody, welcome to Americanization for the Win. My name's Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter. We're going to say things however the hell we want. And, Doug, if you uh, actually read the script that our own Lacey Langford has written for you, you would know why yummy was in there because it's foreshadowing well, of what you're going to talk about later. I said it. Yes, he has no idea what the hell's coming as usual, but I'll tell you, we're bringing it today. As Doug did mention, he's not even really sure himself what he said, but uh, hey, it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic headline. But you know what? The most fantastic part of this show is Mr. OG is here with us. That is by far yeah. the, sure. uh, what, what, what's that line? It's the Surrey with the fringe on top. <laughs> It's so chicks and ducks and geese better scurry. <laughs> I have no idea what you idiots are talking about. Probably something from the early seventies. He, ex- <laughs> he knows exactly what we're talking about. How are you, man? Fantastic. Until you started making fun of ducks, I don't know what that's about. On top, we had a no. We said ducks scurry because you're around. Actually, I think we're ducks, not making fun ducks of the ducks. Slurry. The chicks scurry too, dude. The chicks scurry pretty fast. <laughs> 
You're talking about the young chickens, right? Uh, That's what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, probably. Yes. I don't know how we got here. You know what? I think we, you guys need a timeout while I play this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I don't think that timeout was long enough. You guys get back to your corners. Let's play this. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country and I also think about some of our active service members. Want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington, on a submarine, and my nephew Nathan is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. There it is. All right, OG's here. Doug's here. We got a top five today. Some of our favorite episodes, so let's go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Investment News, which is an industry rag for financial advisors. And uh, this is in a, a piece written by Greg Greenberg. Greg, talking to a bunch of advisors, OG, and is sharing how different advisors rein in overly bullish clients. Is that a thing? If you've got somebody that wants to go off the deep end, I remember it being overly a thing. bullish. Yeah. People are like, I want to go individual stocks. Let's make, I remember I had this, I had a client uh, one time who was like, Hey, let's do this. Let's buy a bunch of stocks. Let's put stop losses on them just below. And if they go down, we'll go to cash and then we'll just regroup the next time we see an indicator that the market goes up. I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, dude. <laughs> like, like, what, what are you talking about? If we can forward call the market, he goes, no, that's a cool thing. We can't. But if we continually put stop losses under it, when it goes down, we won't lose much money. When it goes up, it's unlimited upside potential. We can just redo it every day. Overly bullish, overly bullish. Or, hey, uh, how about we take half my portfolio and put it in crypto? But Oh, uh, you're using it as a, as a synonym for stupid. <laughs> I see. <laughs> now it makes sense. 
Now I'm getting it. Not an overly aggressive inmate at the prison. Well, this <laughs> this says Wall Street lore says a shoeshine boy gave Joseph Kennedy a stock tip just prior to the great crash of 1929. And it so unnerved the future presidential patriarch, he immediately cashed out his whole portfolio. It was his realization that rampant speculation got so out of control eventually led to the establishment of the Kennedy family. Like he saw it coming because he was going the opposite Excuse way. Yeah, because nothing says I don't have any Kennedy money yet as the shoeshine boy, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, well, that's what he's saying. If the shoeshine boy is giving him a tip, it must be the bulls must be running crazy. Like it must be crazy talk. So he says, Greg notes that whenever bulls start stampeding, speculators emerge soon after taking retail investors along for the ride or for a ride, depending on whether they escape Mm -hmm. in time. So he talks about going after IPOs, going after collateralized mortgage bonds or meme stocks. And he says they always end in speculative excess. But anyway, he talked to a bunch of different advisors about how they handle it when clients go, hey, I got this uh, craziness I want to do. got an idea. Yeah. What do you do, OG? Well, I want to hear what other people say first. Sure. Brandon Dixon James, President Wealth Manager at Resilient Wealth Management, says that most of his clients aren't convinced the current bull market's here to stay, and it's ultimately his job to keep them even keeled when the investment pitch gets fevered. He said, while things seem positive on the the front of this current bull market, I think the idea is never being too high or too low. My job is to be objective with my clients and always refer back to their goals and their appetite for risk. So at the end of the day, we can't control the ups and downs, certainly can't predict it. So I focus on what we can control. He says he won't purchase individual securities for clients, always outsources that responsibility to third-party money managers if somebody wants to buy individual stocks. Have somebody do it for them that actually is using some data to do it. Yeah, I like the idea of kind of being in that neutral position, right? When the pendulum swings one way too far, your advisor should be like, nah, it's not as bad as you think. It's okay. It's okay. And then when it swings the other way, like, YOLO, AMC, GameStop, you're like, nah, it's not as good as you think. Or if they're like, wow, my portfolio's up a ton, you're like, uh, yes, yeah, but. We call lifeboat drills. We pretend, you know, what happens if the, uh, you know, what happens if the market's down 20% in the next year? What does that, what does that do? You know, what, you, you get $800,000 and next year you look and your account's worth 540. What does that mean to you? You know, how does that, uh, yeah. how does that make you feel? Go back to the individual stock thing. Brandon says that the reason he outsources it, if they ask him to buy, they don't want to buy it OG. They want him to go buy individual stocks. He goes, I just think that these third-party managers that I recommend to my clients have the resources and around-the-clock research teams that can do a much better job on a larger scale than I can because, and this is a paraphrase of what he says because it goes on for a few sentences, He said, because his job is to manage the relationships. His job is to build financial plans. His job is not to be Joe Stockjock. If you're going to do that at all, and obviously earlier on he said, Mm -hmm. don't, but if you're still going to insist on doing it, have somebody that does it full-time. That's what they do. Similarly, Greg Halter, director of research at the Carnegie Investment Council, says if his clients want to have a brokerage account to speculate, that's fine with him. He said, we really don't want to know about it. Some clients do buy individual stocks to speculate, I'm sure. I would imagine it would be the companies that are so-called penny stocks. But again, that's something we don't encourage. They come to us 
for our expertise. I like that last sentence. They come to us for our expertise, not to throw darts. Well, and there's a double-edged sword here with the fun money account. And we've talked about this on the show quite a bit about having the sandbox account, right? The, hey, this is my fun stock account, whatever. We put some parameters on this, you know, when clients ask us about it. Um, uh, mainly that if you if you hit it out of the park, so you do well, uh, number one, you can't say, see, I told you so, because, you know, you were trying to play a lottery game and you happen to win. And secondly, we reserve the right as your advisors to go, well, you should probably take some of those chips off the table. And secondly, if you don't win big, which you probably won't statistically, then you can't go back to the safe money that's for your long-term goals and ask for a refill. You know, if it's like, well, I want to do, I want to have a fun money account with 10 grand in it. And now you blow it up and it goes down to, you know, 2,200 bucks and you go, I need a refill. Nah, we're, 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 we're done with that experiment. You know, that's kind of the, the message that, that we try to communicate. The other thing that's really interesting is when you really kind of peel back the layers of this, when it comes to individual stock positions or the speculative stock positions or whatever you want, even if it's sectors or whatever, it's like, really, what are you trying to gain? And what's the most upside, right? I've not known very many people who are like so committed to an idea that they're willing to take all of their capital into one singular idea. Most people are not that foolish you know, they're talking about a certain percentage, right? Like I want to take 10% of my portfolio and I want to go crazy with it. I want to buy all tech stocks or, you know, or I want to buy a single position. It's like, okay, cool. You got a million bucks. You want to put a hundred grand in this thing. What's the most that you hope happens? It's like, well, I hope it, I hope it goes up better than the market. It's like, all right, cool. So the market's going to do 10 automatically on average. Or you hoping you do 12? You hoping you do 13, 15? Like what's your number? And you start putting some dollars to that and you go, I'm taking all this risk for an extra 2,200 bucks return or an extra $5,000 return. You know, when you start putting real, real dollars and cents to these percentages that you're thinking about, it's really not moving the needle that much in the long run compared to the risk that you're taking of, you know, a single idea with a percentage of your portfolio. Yeah. Riding that roller coaster, the emotional turmoil that you're going to go through. There might be some people listen to this OG with all of the talk still of, you know, of recession, of possible problems in the real estate market, all these things. This idea that we're in a bull market, there may be some stackers out there going, we're, we're in a what? We're in a bull, bull? Like if you haven't looked at it lately, since last October, the S&P 500 has been going yeah. crazy. It seems like it was just a flash in the pan. But remember that this time last year, we were kind of in the thick of it. You know, we were we were just as far into it last year at this time as we are this year into this time and see how the differences feel. <laughs> you know, it's like, woohoo, yeah. everything's great. It's like last year was like, oh, I'm going to jump off a bridge, you know, and, and, it's, and it's like, you know, we've had the same experience, you know, over that same period of time. It's just the other side of the equation, both of which, by the way, are unnatural, right? The minus 20, worse than average. The plus 20 so far this year, better than average. So what does that tell you when you look at like the concept of standard deviation or the concept of variability? We're outside the norms on both sides of this right now. It seems like it's got to eventually settle back down. Well, and, and that also brings up, I think, a good point. If you sold at the bottom because of the fact that you were afraid, you're like, I can't take any more. The market roughly uh, bottomed out, I think, around October 11th. If you bought SPY, which is uh, the spider, that's the S&P 500, you got paid $357.74 a share. 
today trading at uh, four hundred and fifty six dollars yeah. a share. So, some twenty odd percent. Yeah, up a hundred bucks a share. Yeah, so big, big, big number. We will uh, link to this story and more resources in our show notes, and we'll dive deeper in the 201, our newsletter, stackybenjamins.com slash 201. And of course, we've been talking about this just the last couple of weeks. This week, uh, Kate, for her birthday, which was last Saturday, big milestone birthday, uh, said, hey, uh, let's do a giveaway. People that join the 201, you not only get these tips that you need, you will also uh, be in the running for some awesome Sennhauser noise-canceling headphones. If you're not familiar with Sennhauser, same brand that NPR uses for their microphones. This little-known group called NPR. I don't know if people know who they are. It's it's maybe we can help NPR get a little bit more um, get a little more coverage by giving these away. But stackybenjamins.com/slash two hundred one or slash birthday bash will get you there. By the way, if you already get the two hundred one, good news for you as well. Uh, if you just use your referral code that you'll find inside of every two hundred one, your unique referral code, everybody you refer will get a entry. And of course, so will you for every person that you refer. So people already getting the 201 can get multiple entries uh, where you can only get one for getting yourself in. Coming up next, OG and I have another top five a type of episode that as I go around the country and meet stackers, people are like, I love it when you guys do top fives and we don't do enough. Well, we're doing one today. We're going to talk about red flags that might give you kind of a heads up that your advisor might not be as good as they could be. But before that, Doug, as we said earlier, I think you've got some yummy trivia. And I and by the way, the reason you've got yummy trivia is because next week, OG, this is a prelude. This is kind of like a signpost along the way. Next week, Len Penzo sandwich study Ooh, coming up. Sandwiches. We're gonna have Len Penzo diving into sandwiches, and you got it. I can't wait to see that egg salad sandwich. How much is the price of eggs? I say they've gone down gone this year, up right? in a year. I just diving into egg salad. Mm. Well, they've gone down now, but are they down? How far down are they off the high? Well, we've been better to not have. I don't know. We'll, we'll see next week. But as a prelude, I think we got some Italian foods, Doug. It's Italian, Joe. Italian. I, sorry. Italian. To go with my bruschetta. I swear to God, that's the right way to say that. Okay. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I come bearing good news. In only seven days, Len Penza will be here to share the results from his sandwich survey. If you're new to Stacking Benjamins, it's an annual tradition that you won't want to miss and a great way to see how inflation affects your wallet. Well, here to help lay out the red carpet, let's talk about one of his favorite topics, Bologna. Oh, boy. That's how you say that word, too. Funny thing, not only is Bologna a meat, it's also a great city in Italy. Yeah, while bologna is known for salty goodness between two pieces of bread with maybe some mayo, the city is famous for miles of historic porticos, its leaning medieval towers, and its gorgeous Piazza Maggiore. See, God, I'm nailing this. What do the two have in common? Both the city and the meat are part of a huge culinary tradition, you know, depending on who you ask. Bologna, the city, not the meat, has made tons of Benjamins. Well, it was Florins, but now I suppose it's Euros on its Bolognese meat sauce. But it's also known for bringing the world another popular Italian dish. So today's question, what dish is it? I'll be back right after I go set the table for dinner. I don't care what time it is, I'm starving after reading that. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? 
Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. stackers i'm alpha man and meat lover joe's mom's neighbor doug you know baloney this time i mean the meat not the city has a great history of its own baloney is really bologna sausage derived from the italian mortadella which comes from the city bologna see the connection no well get your glasses because it won't get better maybe we should just get you a trivia answer huh the question is the city of bologna wait joe is it bologna I think it's Bologna, isn't it? I was nailing all of these Italian pronunciations, <laughs> and I've been screwing that one up the whole time. All right. Keep moving. Yeah, okay, Just okay. keep the moving. Maybe is, nobody will notice. The city of Bologna is home to a time-honored Italian dish that to this day delights millions. What's the dish? Lasagna. Want more food stuff? You got to wait one week. For now, let's feed your brains with some great info. Our top five red flags that tell you an advisor might not meet your needs with Joe and OG. Doug, even I'm hungry after. Oh my God, that all the good I'm so the confused about what's happening. Lasagna is so Are good. You going to Italy or not? <laughs> In a week, the Italian guy taking us into uh, sandwich land. Hey, uh, let's dive into this, OG, because. You know, we get questions about advisors and sometimes people will give us clues about their advisor. In fact, I had somebody uh, just email me today and they were telling me a little bit about their situation and just a couple things they said 
made me go, Boop. but the funny thing is for you and I, that's just years of experience. Yeah. And so hopefully we can help people avoid the bad advisors. Cause as you know, having smart people in your corner is a key to success, right? You can't do it alone. You, you have to have to surround yourself with smart people. Every person who's gone anywhere, I don't know any of those people that were the, you know, this myth of the loner who just did it mm-hmm. themselves. Other than the actual Lone Ranger. True. Fictional character, by the way. Ah, well, no, he had Tonto. He a real guy. He had Tonto. He did. Yeah. So, and Silver. You know, and one of my favorite songs of all time. You guys were playing weird songs earlier. We're going to have to bust out an, an oldie but a goodie for me That's, that talks about uh, the Lone Ranger. Oh, I have a feeling right. it's inappropriate. But, no. <laughs> but for right now, OG, as you were thinking about this top five, what were some of the things that really went through your head uh, when you were thinking about advisors not maybe not serving uh, people's needs? Is there like an overarching theme? Yeah, there's humility and the kind of, or lack thereof, if you're thinking about it from the opposite side, and the all about me. I think that's probably kind of sort of the overarching thing. And there's some other, you know, major red flags that are kind of easy to to digest, sure. but the spidey sense tingling ones kind of sort of theme around that. And I'll give you an example about this. I mean, ultimately, and maybe this is one of them just kind of anecdotally, I was talking to a younger advisor who had called me for something and was asking about a, a problem, like a case scenario, right? How do I solve this problem? And I said, gosh, I really just, I don't even know the answer to that. I, I have some ideas of where to start, but it sounds like you need to get, you know, a pro involved in this, this particular issue, some special issue. And he was like, well, no, 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 you know, clients pay, pay me to know these answers and, and, and be able to answer this for them. And wow. I can't send them to another person. And I said, well, you're not sending them to another person. It's you're providing them the resource, the specialization. I mean, I have a personal physician, right? A doctor that does all my lab work and that sort of thing. And when I texted him, I said, man, I have real trouble with my shoulder lately. I, I don't know what's going on there. He, he texted me back and said, go see this guy. He didn't say, well, why don't you come in and I'll poke around a little bit and see if I can't solve it. He's like, I'm not a shoulder guy. Go see my shoulder guy. And and I still come back to my main doctor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, and if the doctor is great, the doctor has a team of people, when you talked about lab work, who actually are doing the lab work and notice this yeah. stuff all day long and then give the results back to the doctor who also weighs in. But a great doctor surrounds themselves with great people, just like a great investor will surround themselves with other great investors. Yeah. Well, on that note, OG, why don't we dive in? With our number five. Number five. Who's going to start this shindig? You should. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna start off, and this is because it's, it is it is number five, because this one is going to be qualified. You know, I worked with a big company. There were a bunch of good advisors with the big company that I was with, Ameriprise. I, I thought they were a fine company. However, just generally, OG, when I hear that an advisor is with a big company instead of independent, and this does not mean independents are all great or big companies are all bad. I do hear big company, and I know there were many times during my career when the big company I was with had some ulterior agendas that truly were about sustainability of the company as much as they were about sustainability of the client. It was my job as an advisor to really kind of fight against that. When I saw great advisors at this company, they all did the same thing. So I just put generally big company makes me go, hmm. And by the way, if it's big insurance company, I go, hmm, even harder. A, a, a double, um. Yeah. Double, um. Yeah. Ultimately, you can kind of just look and see where the interests are aligned. It's really funny because a lot of, if if you look at any sort of issue with 
I mean, frankly, any profession, but we're talking about the money profession right now. If there's an issue, it, it, it can almost always be traced back to what are the incentives? It can almost always be traced back to that. In a large organization, is there's a lot of great resources. I was talking to a colleague today at lunch, as a matter of fact, and we were talking about the differences. He said, I know a lot of guys that are going to the big shops because of the ability to get line of credits. You know, they've got, you know, a $15, $20 million investment portfolio. They don't have to go get a loan at the bank since they're at Merrill, Merrill Bank of America, kind of, you know, they're together. They're the same company. They can put their $20 million brokerage account up as collateral and go get a $15 million loan tomorrow afternoon and buy that building and start that project. And, you know, so there is some benefits to that for sure, you know, in terms of that level of service. But the thing that's interesting is that on the big, at the big company level, what is it? It's an organization that has shareholders and a shareholder has CEO, has the CEOs and board of directors and their responsibility at Merrill, at Bank of America, at Ameriprise, at Wells Fargo is to the shareholders. And there's more shareholders than clients generally. So certainly more dollars involved. You got to be responsible for the people that you're responsible for. And the CEO, the board of directors, they're responsible to shareholders. Ultimately, you know, and that gets back to our credit union discussion that we had a week ago, right? Where credit unions, nonprofit organizations still want to make sure that they bring in more business all the time to keep the credit union going, but they're responsible to their members versus the shareholders. It is the same thing for an independent advisory firm though too, right? The independent advisory firm doesn't have shareholders, but still wants to earn a, earn a profit. Absolutely. So while I think that's important- For the ownership. Yeah. I do think that I've seen the difficulty in this business with advice. This is why I think independent, looking independent might be just a clear way to go is that I know how hard it is for an advisor to go independent. I know how difficult it is to run the business without that backbone of support like I had at Ameriprise when I had a franchise of that system. To be able to make the jump first, which is not easy, and then second, to be able to set up all the systems on your own and to keep the systems and to make it all run really takes a level of commitment and expertise and commitment to the craft that you, frankly may have and, and and a lot of people do have. I don't want to I don't want to throw too much yeah, shade no, here. Absolutely. There are some awesome people at some big companies um who I really think do a hell of a job. But um I mean most of them to be clear. Yes. Like the vast yeah, majority. Yeah. This is the thing that's interesting. It's like you see something, you know, on the news, right? And it's like the I don't know, picking something. I don't know, the Try that in a small town. Manicurist who murders people or something. I, okay. You know, and you go, all oh, manicurists are bad. Right. Like, no, they're not. Yeah. No, the vast majority, you know, all doctors are generally pretty good. They try to help people. There is the one guy who gets hooked on pain pills and murders a bunch of patients and, you know, does a bunch of fraud. There is that guy. murdering patients? Well, I'm not a doctor, but I can, ima- I can see <laughs> how they manicurists, do Manicurists, murders are everywhere. Yeah. Like, you know. I just thinking about a story that I read about the other day. My point is, is that the vast majority of people are good. Yeah. And the same thing is true with advisors. The vast majority of them. are. That still is my number five. I have a bias toward independent. It's not a deal killer. Definitely though, OG, if I hear that it's going to be a financial plan and it's with an advisor that's with an insurance company, you better believe insurance coverage through that company is going to factor fairly heavily into your financial plan. Mm -hmm. What's your number five? Well, I'm going to stick with the initial theme, which is the kind of know-it-all, it's all about me. You know, I wrote, I wrote it three different ways. Know-it-all, it's all about me. It's, all, it's only them. <laughs> those, those are like the things that I wrote. And as it relates to what you were talking about in terms of being independent versus a franchise or, or an, employee in a, an employee organization, 
it is a lot different to be in the business, running a business of providing advice versus being the advice provider, right? And to, kind of to your point about commitment to the overall craft of providing advice, to be able to organize a group of people and say, you know, we have this team of people, we have this group of people who all have different specialties, who all are really good in their own right in different areas, and together that group of people are going to provide this level of service to the end user, to the client, is a different level of of commitment to the profession than being behind a desk and waiting for somebody to show up and going, what do you think I should do with my rollover? You go, oh, we got these funds you should buy. You could do that. That's an idea. And I'm kind of not giving you enough credit, but it's kind of along those ways. If you're, if the person you're talking to is like, oh no, no, I've got this big support group and it's the big sign out front. I go, "Eh, really? Kind of like what you were saying. Really? You know, and there's some truth to that. Sure. But it's a lot higher commitment level. If you can recognize and have the humility to understand that there are areas that you don't have expertise in, and I'm willing to, to find the solution or the advisor is willing to find the solution whether that's internally or externally, to provide the best service. Well, you think about the role, what the true term, I, I feel like, and this was my problem when I went over from the advisory side to the, the financial media side, was that there's too much emphasis on the word advisor and sales and yeah. salespeople. I mean, an advisor in general, no matter what they're advising you on, OG, they advise you. And advise you often does not mean they do it themselves. That is a product provider. Uh, does it themselves. An advisor says, hey, OG, go over here and do this. Go check out my guy over here. I'm going to hook you up with this great woman. She does this awesome work on taxes or mortgages or whatever it might be. You know, I got this professional doing XYZ thing. I'm going to, I'm going to help you get connected with this group of people or this thing. Like an advisor advises, they do not keep it all in-house. And certainly anybody who thinks, you know, and, and I am kind of biased against one-stop shops for that reason. I think if you're doing 85 different things, if you're prepping, if you are providing the entire insurance solution, you're providing the tax advice, you're writing the will, you're doing the financial plan, you're doing, you know, you're doing everything with the financial plan. Heck, I'll write your car loan. I'll do all this stuff. How are you doing any of it really well? And are you truly the best in all these different areas if it's all in-house? I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Well, it's interesting that you're talking about that because because what you're talking about is a concept called wallet share, which is a really important concept concept in the big organizations, right? And they talk about it in their annual reports, you know, Merrill Lynch or, or I'm sorry, Bank of America or, or Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, these big organizations, they talk about how much of our clients wallet share do we have? Because to be fair, the more, the more things you have with one organization, the less likely it is for you to lead that organization, right? I mean, sure. if you're, mortgage and your 401k and your checking account, savings account, and credit cards are all with Bank of America, it's like, I don't, you know, how much of a pain in the ass is it to move half that stuff to Vanguard and go find a credit union and get better interest on your savings account and that sort of thing? I also think to your point, you know, when I got better as an advisor at the end of my career, I was trying to model our practice like I was a sports agent. Like it wasn't about me. It was about my client who was a phenomenal sports star or Taylor Swift. I mean, you know, create the analogy. Taylor Swift was your my, client? My client is the rock star. My client is the star. And it's not about me, OG. It's about them. And how do I make sure I'm the concierge for them to get more money in their pocket, to do more for the, to to make sure that they get as much as they possibly can 
with the things that they have? How can we wring as much out of their company benefits, out of their paycheck into their savings account, out of their investing strategy, whatever it might be, that we do the right thing? So when you said, you know, it's about me, 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 I think it needs to be about you, 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 meaning you, you, you client. Just to be clear, did you still have Taylor Swift as a client when she released 1989? Because that album is amazing. I, I, I all just, I can think about is that Workday commercial where they're like, you need to, all the rock people are like, you need to quit calling each other <laughs> yeah, rock stars. Right. It's like Ozzy Osbourne and, <laughs> and, uh, good job stapling that, Mike. You're a rock star. Yeah. Gene Simmons like sticks his head in. They're like, Bill, you're a, and he like sticks his head in. He's like, uh, you did really good. And he like shuts the door. <laughs> it's like, you got to quit using, you're not, unless you are actually a rock star, you are not a rock star. Number four. Okay, number four for me, I'm going to go with there's not any proactive communication. You don't know what the schedule ah. looks like in the in the future. Some so ambiguous. just before you go into yours, my number four, there is no scheduled meeting cadence. Ah. Same stuff. Yeah, same stuff. I really feel like you should be able to look out in the horizon and see the tempo of when you're expected to have some sort of communication, whether that's monthly, quarterly, annually, semi-annually, like what's the frequency of when I can count on you to be proactive with me? So you being the advisor to be proactive with me in terms of, you know, when do I have to, when do I have to think about this? And when are you thinking about it? I absolutely love that because I think that no matter what the cadence is, knowing that they have an approach and that that approach has worked for a lot of people already means it has a better chance of working for me. If we never talk about that and it was more of a sales relationship where I buy something and then I never hear from them again, well, then we have a problem. It also gives me the parameters around how to judge them, right? If you say you're going to contact me twice a year, let's say, and you don't, then I have good reason to say, hey, I'm not getting the service that I was promised. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know what that expectation is, it's very difficult. By the way, the other thing that I like, I also like that between those meetings, then I also feel comfortable calling my advisor and asking their opinion if something comes up. I'm buying a new car and I'm wondering if I should finance it because I can get a 0% loan versus just pay cash that's in my car fund account. Or if I'm, you know, changing houses or changing jobs, that whether those are included and that I'm going to get advice from you on those things, or if I'm not getting advice or those are going to cost extra. I really want to be clear about what that meeting cadence is and how it's going to work. Great minds think alike. Wow. We just we just moved to number three. Number three. Well, since technically I went last, but I feel like we kind of held hands and jumped that one together. Uh, number three is this. You know, oh, gee, remember back in the day when we were very active blogging, we had one piece. When you were active blogging, and I was actively <laughs> talking about your blogging. Yes. Good, good, good point. I do remember But if you that. remember, if you remember the blog, there was one piece that went, uh, that, that got close to, you know, if we're going to call anything viral at all that we did. This one went viral and it was how to know that your advisor sucks before you even meet with the advisor. And it was the office setting, what's going on in the office and the employee. So my number three was you can really often when you're interacting with the advisor's employees, you can get a real feel for how the organization works. Because as an example, when I was with Ameriprise, they had a receptionist named Linda who is absolutely horrible at the start. It was just absolutely rotten. And that stuff often comes from the top. And the guy that ran the office, Tony, good guy, but didn't pay much attention. And then he realized that needed to change. He and Linda made it better almost overnight. The two of them, they took a Nordstrom training. They did some great work together. 
And then, man, I realized that every office I walked into, because I was a, a speaker going around all of Eastern Michigan, so I went into a lot of different offices, you could tell what the manager of that office was doing and what the different advisors were doing based on that receptionist mm -hmm. and how good they were. And really, Linda was kind of a testament to, you know, a pretty good thing Tony was doing in Southfield. Okay. Good job, Tony. And Linda. Yeah. But as an example, if you go into their office and they're playing Kramer yelling or, you know, uh, Power Lunch, where they're talking about all the hot stocks that day, yeah, I would turn around and run. If they've got the travel channel on, maybe the golf channel, you know, they've got pretty pictures on their stuff that relaxes you. That's what a good financial plan should do. It shouldn't be about, about, uh, stacking Benjamin's episode playing yeah. in the background. You know, any <laughs> of those things would be great. I'd say probably what should about be about a successories poster. <laughs> be a good sign? Hang in there. <laughs> Soar. If they, I mean, there were other things, you know, if the advisor sits behind a huge desk, right. whenever I had an advisor that sat behind the huge desk. Oh, gee, you know, this guy, I'm, I'm just going to say the first name. There was a guy we work with back in our American Express Dave named Glenn. And Glenn would always sit behind this desk with a high back chair and his, his clients were in folding chairs. And I thought he was a horrible advisor. And, and I was like, Glenn, why do you do? Well, I want to make sure my clients know who's in charge. And I'm like, that's why I would never, ever recommend you to anybody, man. So a complete side note, when Ameriprise closed their Toledo office, I stole, <clears throat> took a bunch of stuff <laughs> off the wall. And one of them, and a couple of them are these things. Or accessories poster. What does that one say? Virtue. Is it, of is it backwards? Attitude. No, virtue of attitude. Oh, and it just goes through the virtue of having a good attitude. Something about a purple imagery with some dude, I don't know, fishing or something. Just so everybody's clear, you say the word steal, OG, but you and I knew what happened when offices closed. Those things just went in a dumpster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were gone. So you were like, you rescued that like it was a dog or something. <laughs> he did. did rescue it. Yes, it's his rescue successory. <laughs> it was going to starve to death if I didn't take it out of the dumpster. <laughs> so like a sailboat, like canted sideways, like tacking into the wind. I have no idea yeah. what it says, but it's, it's a sailboat. So it's obviously motivational. So I think you can look at the surround sound the advisor is providing. What does the surround sound look like? And man, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel on, if they have bad employees, I would say all that stuff comes from the top. It all comes from the top. That's my number three. Okay. So I got to put something in there about cost because, because you know, everybody's like itchy, itchy trigger fingers. Like, what about the cost structure? Fees. What about fees? Fees. fees. And, and we've said a hundred thousand times, I don't actually care how advisors get paid. And there's about 350 different ways to do it. And all of them are fine, in my opinion, for the right people. Hey, can we also add something else there, OG, yeah. just while you're on that statement? Also, I believe the attention to fees is because most people don't know enough about really what's going on in the financial planning business to truly comment on anything else. It's easy, it's low-hanging fruit, and it's lazy. Just want to add that Well, I'm looking at it from the client perspective. Maybe in the media perspective, it's, it's lazy for sure. But on the client perspective, it's something that's right there. And, and again, back to my what I was saying before, I don't know that there's a right answer for it. I think that the people that you're working with should be able to easily articulate what they get paid for and how much it costs. And that simple. And unabashedly, like, we get X dollars. We charge you this much per month. We have this percentage fee. We have this structure. A, B, C, da, 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 da. 
if you get into some sort of like, well, you know, we really get paid a couple of different ways and it just depends on the sometimes and, and we're really paid a third way and that's through your recommendations and your referrals and like, okay, just tell it to me straight, man. How much is it per month? How much is it per year? How much is it on a percentage base? Like whatever your deal is, just hit me with it, right? Lay it out. It is what it is. And there's nothing wrong with it, especially if you're a business owner associated with running a business of financial planning or advice of some kind, CPA firm, whatever it is. You need to, as a as a, the owner of that business, be able to pay your employees and heat and cool your building and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So you've put some thought into it. Hopefully you're not just arbitrarily going, I don't know, charge us, how's 600, how does that how's sound? 650 sound for your tax forms today, sir? Like you've sat down and said, this is how long it's going to take me. And this is how I'm going to charge based on that and the time and expertise and that sort of thing. So just do it the same way. Like it's, don't be like the doctors. Don't be like the hospital where my son broke his arm they were like, nobody knows. They're like, how much are you paying insurance or cash? And I'm like, well, how much is it? We don't know. Well, you fixed an arm. I'm certain in the past, it's a big building. You have lots of doctors here. You must have a general sense of how much it costs to fix a broken arm. No, we don't know until we bill your insurance company. And I just couldn't even believe it. I, I, I there just, it is. It, you know, and that's, I think sometimes advisors do that. They're like, well, how much you got? Like, well, no. yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? No. How much I got? How much is yeah, it? What? Well, how much you? What kind of car you want? You know, it's like just tell. Well, that's me. what's just difficult too. Like, if I'm trying to evaluate whether to hire somebody to be in my corner or not, I got to know what the value is. I mean, one of the one of the questions, OG, that frustrates me the most is, is that expensive? Right? How often have we had that question? Yeah. Uh, I get charged X amount. Is that expensive? My first question always is, well, what are you getting for right. that? I need to know what you're because it might be super. You might be paying next to nothing. And it could be hugely expensive. You be paying a ton of money. And it's not expensive at all because you're getting this Cadillac of service. So what am I getting versus what I pay, I think is uh, is a much better metric. And by the way, this is, you know, we've interviewed people at different philanthropies, and this is kind of a carryover. There was a period when it come to philanthropic giving, and there's still people with philanthropic giving that are like, what's your overhead? And what's the kickback we've seen on that lately, OG? The, the best evaluations of a philanthropy are not around overhead, they're around reach and results because, and we've had people on this show tell us this, we need to be able to hire good people to get good results. I can't pay people nothing and get great talent in here to get great results. So if I pay a little more, we can extend the reach by X times that. You know, we could 10X, we could 100X that because we actually paid a little more. So it's not always about expenses, it's about what do I get for that? So I like that one-two punch as well. Number two, this one's kind of an easy one, an unexplainable or unanswerable, unreasonably answered disclosure on ADV, SEC website, broker check, something like that. Oh, right? like, that's a good one. There's a public location this. where you can do your checking on your people. And so if you're a broker or an advisor, there's a website called Broker Check. You can just put that into Google. You can look at the SEC website and search for my advisor on the SEC website. If they're a CFP certificate holder, you can search for disclosure history on the CFP board as well at cfp.net. And all of us have things in our past that we wish we would have done differently, right? I mean, I can. I was just talking to a buddy of mine at lunch about estate planning, and he's like, I'm just giving all the money to my kids at 25. And we talked about that. And I said, you know, I'd like to think I was pretty responsible at 25, 
But in the hindsight of looking at four from 45 to 25, I was an idiot, you know, <laughs> and I could say that about being 44, honestly, you know, it's like, yeah, that 44 year old OG, he was, he was dummy. But some of those foibles, some of those errors, some of those uh, errors in judgment, mistakes, whatever, turn up on uh, your record for, if you're going to be an advisor, right? Especially if it's money related. And there's, there was a long time a very long time, I think almost until 2012-ish or so, where any sort of financial issues in the background almost excluded you completely from being in the financial industry. If you had a bankruptcy, if you had a foreclosure, if you had a tax lien, if you had anything, you know, missed a payment on your credit card, red flag, you were done. Done. From the recession in 2007 to 2009, the government and also the CFP board sort of relaxed those standards a little bit and said, we understand that life happens on occasion, right? It's just, you do your best and things don't go according to plan. And as long as you can kind of sort of explain what happened and how you solve the problem, we will be willing to, you know, talk about that or allow you to stay in. And so I'm not talking about financial issues where it's like, listen, I had a medical thing. My partner got sick. We had a medical issue. Mom and dad were ill. I had to sell the house in foreclosure, da-da-da-da-da, red flag, right? That's what happened. I'm talking about the red flags of client complaint, settled out of court, client complaint, settled out of court, client complaint, settled out. Like, what's going on here? You know, if you've got ding, 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 all these, you know, oh, the client screwed me. Uh, my boss screwed me. Uh, you know, I got screwed on that. And there's not really any answers to that. Anything that has to do with fraud or malfeasance with client funds, automatic, never pass go, do not collect $200, right? There's no, there's no coming back from that in my book. Personal financial issues, I think you can have some conversation around it, you know, try to understand what happened in their circumstances because it's going to be there. But if it's not explainable, easily... My spidey sense is tingling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, and 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 if they just shy away from the discussion, you know, I've uh, said publicly that on my record there was one complaint, and I was very happy to go through it and talk about exactly what happened, and it frustrated the hell out of me that it yeah. was on there. And I think through my explanation of, and this is the bad news, OG. It was on there for a good last four years of my tenure as an advisor. And I think two people, two people looked at my record between my existing clients and people that were thinking about who to hire. Not enough people do exactly what you just said when they hire help. Well, now we can see what's out there. Yeah, it's really interesting. We have, we're fortunate that we have a company that comes every couple of weeks to do a a little clean in our house. Think about all the stuff that you do when somebody's going to come roof your house or clean your house or mow the grass or, you know, do something. You go, well, do you have insurance? Are you licensed? You know, I'm going to check the Builders Association, make sure you're in good standing. I do all these things. And then what do you do when you go to hire a, uh, an investment advisor? Well, uh, she seemed nice. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just, I, I was really easy. I just rolled over my $2 million account. It was super simple. Yeah, sound great. Did you give them a once over? Did you look online? Did you Google them real fast? You know, just to... Well, you think about the fact of where you're getting your advice. It always frustrates me because that's often what happens when people are getting advice from the wrong places. They didn't do enough due diligence up front. And I feel like if you're going to surround yourself with a great board of advisors, you're going to do a lot of, if, if these people are going to base your life decisions on in areas where you might have blind spots, do half an hour of due diligence. Well, it's like that CFP commercial, right? Where the guy's- Guy's a DJ. The guy's a DJ. He's like, 
He goes, all right, so this is your plan. And what did you think about it? And they're like, oh, it's great, it's great. It's great. He's like, do you, do, you, do you think I'm pretty trustworthy? Do you think you'd take, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, that's great, because I'm a DJ. And he takes his hat off. He's got long hair. And he's like, you know, he's like, I'm not really an advisor at all. I know nothing. I learned a script. That's why you have to search this out. It was a great campaign. They should have kept running that. Yeah. They should have. You could have done so many different professions there, and it would have been hilarious. To your point, Doug, it was a long time ago. We're still talking yeah. about it, right? And everybody, there's a bunch of people out there who are listening who know exactly the campaign we're talking about. If you don't, Kevin will list it in our, our 201 and also in the show notes. Uh, so you can <laughs> Every take time a you look. say that, Joe, I just picture Kevin in the background like, holy crap, don't, how am I going to find man. that? What is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, just some vague old ad campaign. You volunteer sure me again? I'm on it. Yeah, he's on Slack. He's like, dear Joe, please advise what the hell you're talking about at the 51 minute mark. <laughs> No idea. Yeah. Uh, my number two is if an advisor uses lots of jargon, Ooh. an advisor's job is to make things easier. And I found that in my time spent with advisors, the biggest BS artists were the ones that like to talk in big words and truly weren't good but advisors. But the alpha and beta and standard deviation omega is pretty sweet. Uh, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Alpha beta. And by the way, it doesn't mean you should shy away from that stuff because I would definitely show people the beta as an example, but it was my job then to explain what it was. Doug's to say, got a hey, restraining order for showing people his beta. <laughs> it's good. It's, and it's an industry specific term, apparently. You know, based based on his history, he's not allowed to show anybody his beta. <laughs> it's like Jeff at the uh, wedding reception that we talked about yeah, last right. week. With the, with the, the kilt. <laughs> Going around showing 18 his sister-in-law 18 times his beta. Yeah, not good. Don't do that. But I think that advisors that use lots of jargon, listen, their job is to make your life easier. Their job is to simplify it, make sure you understand. It's not their plan. It's your plan. And your main goal is if your advisor gets hit by a bus, you want to be better off by having work with them. And if you don't understand what the hell you're doing, well, then then it's it's not a great. So that's my number two. Get away from lots of jargon or people, Doug, that do the smoke and mirrors kind of thing, I think, which... Sometimes it's easy to see and sometimes it's not. I know you've got an example of one that I think we've talked about in the past. Well, is it the one where you guys have both groaned when I've talked about that really big firm that's got commercials on TV all the time that says, we do better when our clients do better? Right. Is it that one? Right. Yeah. And that one is tough. I mean, this one this one is a little different because, because the average person listening won't get this, but there's a huge number of advisors out there that do the same thing. And this guy is named Ken Fisher. And whenever I see Ken Fisher's advertisements, he takes something that everybody else does. See, we do this thing where we look at the most efficient use of your asset. Really call the efficient frontier jerk something everybody else does. Oh no, it's proprietary. You got to go through, got to go through my genius to get it. Just, I don't know if Ken Fisher's a good or bad advisor, but there's no way. He's a big advisor. I would say he's nobody. Is he anybody's advisor anymore? No, I don't think so. Based on his advertisements, he's uh, just... That always makes me roll my eyes. Just the advertising that guy does is crazy. All right, that's my number two. What's yours, OG? I already did you already give me yours? Yeah. You I'm sorry. We're on to the big one. It's time for the big one. And we're not talking about Doug's beta. <laughs> number one. I'm just sitting here in the corner, minding my own business. <laughs> my, like singing on my betas all over the room. Uh, yeah. My number one is uh, borrowed. I, I've always agreed with this emotion. Our mutual friend, Roger Whitney, put it in a way that I had not heard it. But I absolutely love this to the point that it is my number one OG. If somebody presents himself as an advisor, not a product salesperson, and they lead the discussion around product and not process, you need to run. That is my number one that they're probably not great advisor. 
in your corner. I literally wrote leads with product neck. That's <laughs> your number one, too. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. It shortens the show a little bit, which everybody will appreciate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is fantastic. I really think that our job as advisors is to help people think about how to think about things. And that's borrowing a phrase from strategic coach. Think about your thinking. You know, sometimes people are asking questions like, do you think that this is a good budget item on our cash flow? You know, are we within bounds here? Is a thousand bucks a month good for groceries? And our job, I don't think, is to necessarily say it is or it isn't, right? Should I have the Sunday ticket package for DirecTV? I don't know, man. How much do you like football? Like, if you like it a lot, then it's probably a good use. I mean, if you're going to watch it all Sunday, like, it's probably a really good use of money, honestly. I don't know, man. Versus pay-per-viewing or going to the Cowboys game every Sunday. It's going to cost you way way more to do that. But it's not necessarily to say these are the right or wrong things. It's to say what's important to you and... How do we use the resources that you have to do the things that you want to do? And the more that, I mean, you said this earlier, the more that your advisor is focused on what do you want to do and how can I help you do you, the better off the relationship's going to be. And if you show up and, and you were picking on insurance firms earlier, Joe, but it's kind of sort of true because we've seen these plans from people. And if you show up and, and you're like, okay, I think I want to retire. And they're like, cool, let me show you this great life insurance product I have. There it is. You're like, what? Wait, what? I thought I said I wanted to retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Retire, retire. That's great. Great retirement is awesome. But life insurance, and you're focused on that, or or you have a proprietary product of some kind, a mutual fund, or you have a separately managed account, or you have some some deal that's tied to your firm specifically, and you're leading with the product instead of the solution, or instead of the goal rather that the client's trying to reach or you know reach toward. You know, I, I just, most advisors these days should have access to just about every product. Yeah. And if you don't, that's an issue. If you do have access to every product and yet you're still leading with product, it tells me that it's about the money and not about goal attainment. Goal attainment's the number one thing. It's a very clear path. Very, very clear path. And a huge, not even a red flag. That is, that's a run. That's a go. Got to go. Doesn't mean, by the way, you don't buy products from them, OG. They might have a great product. They're just not your advisor. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I want to be clear about it. We, you know, like in our firm, we use Schwab as a custodian, independent third party, you know, to hold your money. We recommend mutual funds and ETFs to use for clients. Does that mean that you should buy them at Fidelity instead? I don't know. But if you start with it, I think is really the delineation. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's my, no, that's my point. That is, that is clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is agreed. I mean, in the initial conversation, this is how you tell. I mean, you can tell this right away. If in the first 30 minutes of a conversation with somebody new, if the conversation is about, tell me all the money you have, tell me where it is, and I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with what you're doing right now, instead of tell me where your money is and tell me what you're trying to do. Tell me about your goals. What's the purpose of all of this stuff? Back to, I said, I had a doctor analogy earlier, right? You don't walk into the doctor and he doesn't, he doesn't, or she doesn't just say, okay, yeah, 45 year old, huh? Okay, cool. So um, uh, we're going to take some vitamin D pills and uh, let's get you on Crestor and, uh, and let's order up a colonoscopy. Let's go get, let's go get that done right now. You go, well, what are you talking about? Those, that's all medicine. Don't you have to do some tests first? Don't you have to 
see what's going on inside before you start writing out prescriptions? You need to work from a goal standpoint. And what are you trying to accomplish before you start implementing things? We will have these listed on our show notes page at stackofbenjamins.com. And of course, in the 201, uh, Kevin will have deeper dives. He's not grown about that one. That's what one that he, that's something he always does in the 201 newsletter. Looking at the time, I think uh, that is going to wrap for this episode because we, uh, and again, there it is. I think that that will make this a super long show if we go there. So we'll have a Haven Life next time. Uh, however, let's talk about the community calendar, the 201 contest I mentioned for the headphones already, stackingbenjamins.com slash birthday bash or slash 201. And you can get multiple, multiple entries if you refer other people that need the 201 stackingbenjamins.com again to get your referral code. Make sure you're working from your 201 newsletter and inside your 201 newsletter, you will see your direct referral code. On Thursdays, tomorrow, I will be on Instagram with a guest. Head over to Instagram, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We will be chatting with them. Sometimes it's uh, also Doug with me. Sometimes it's just me and you. And we, it's a great time because we get to be a little bit more interactive. Well, a lot more interactive than we could be on the podcast. So if you want to stop by and say hi, take part in a great uh, money discussion, hit us up on Instagram. For all the places you can find us live, stackingbenjamins.com slash welcome. We're going to be doing a uh, live recording of the Friday show coming up as well on the Fireside app. Joe, whenever I'm there on the Instagram, the interaction largely consists of people just taking shots at me. And it's just like they're at the zoo and they just want to poke the bear. Especially Drew. <laughs> they want to see if they can get a reaction. Does that happen when I'm not there? Do they do that to no, you? No, they do not. Oh, Stacker Drew specifically take shots at you. I notice happens yeah. in the basement too. You and Drew it have this, a uh, bit in the basement too. this uh, love affair, if you want to call it that. Okay. <laughs> and finally, if you're not here to be on Instagram lives, if you're not here to rip into Doug, if you're not even here because you want those awesome Sennhauser uh, noise canceling headphones, you're here because you need a better plan. And today's discussion about advisors and who to have on your team really resonates for you. Well, OG and his team are taking clients and if you'd like to talk to him and his team about how they might be able to help you, stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. All right. That is it for today, Doug. And there's a lot to unpack there, but let's uh, keep it to three. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from our top five. Advisors should have process that works for you and not be all about product. Second, thinking about buying risky investments. Yeah, your advisor probably won't be on board and with good reason. But the big lesson, do not volunteer to wash the windows in exchange for Joe's mom's lasagna. She'll make you clean the inside and the outside. Now that's some real bologna. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihot. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of The Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. 
Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. I know on the TikTok minute on Monday, we did the uh, cops that will come grab you in a public location in front of your spouse, take you away, tase you for an extra 25 bucks. And then they set you up at a, at a campsite, fish, beer, everything all taken care of, and then drop you off at the end of the weekend at Waffle House and say it was a big mistake and generally operate in confusion. So you get a nice weekend away. And that was stereotypically you know, the guy stereotypically said men. And a lot of the people in the comments were women going, Hey, I want this too. It's not just men. Well, this, this, uh, other thing I found in a Facebook reel, I think truly is men more than more than women, but I'd like you guys to weigh in on this. This is if, uh, if married men had to have a remembering bee, like kids have a spelling bee. Let's listen in on Tuesday. Your wife informed you about dinner plans for this Saturday. Who are those plans with and what time? Can you say it in a sentence? (laughs) Quote, I don't know why I'm telling your ass now, but we are meeting blank at blank for dinner. Okay, can can you say it, but with like a more annoyed tone? Quote, I don't know why I'm telling your ass now, but we are meeting blank at blank for dinner. End quote. Since Tuesday, how many times has she reminded me? Uh, that would be five times. <laughs> um, we are going to meet Ricky and Annette at six. <laughs> I do think in my relationship, that is stereotypically correct. That's pretty good. Maybe not for all couples, but I'm definitely the couple who gets reminded. OG, are you the couple in yours? Uh, we have a very firm rule. If it's not in the calendar, it's not happening. Hmm. I'll be like, no, no, there's uh, uh, I, th- I, th- I thought I'll put it in the calendar. It's like, it's not in the calendar. It's like, well, I, I thought I put it in there. It's like, well, thinking about putting it in it.
Yeah, I'm but is that a one-way... Hold on, though. Is that a one-way street where she puts it in the calendar, or do you put stuff in the calendar? I'm not important enough to actually have things to put in the calendar, <laughs> so I assure you there's nothing that's in the calendar that is my responsibility. You're not the social director in your family. I have... I've, as, which would come as a shock to you, but I'm not a fan of social anything. <laughs> <laughs> people, Well, that's media. just because people suck. You know. uh, Doug? Yeah, no, it's the other way around, and I'm the social director in our house, so I'm the one who's who's doing the reminding several several yeah. times, and I'm willing to bet there is not the inverse of that video. What do you mean? There is not one of those where it's the wife on stage trying to remember what the husband. Like you're told saying her. she, you're saying she does remember. No, I'm saying she doesn't. It's the same thing. It's my, just, no, mine yeah. doesn't, and. And I'm saying there isn't one out on the oh, internet no, there isn't. making fun no. of that because it doesn't because no. no one can make fun of that. No, that is not, not that is totally not allowed. But man, that is that is my household specifically right there. No. Welcome to the After After Show. You know why? Because you are a rock star and you need a second, you need a second encore of this show. And OG, you have seen some television. I have seen things. Uh, yeah, just uh, got a quick second to catch up on some things. Uh, this is season two of a really, really great program. I am offering you a chance. To atone for what you have done. To help bring down the single greatest threat to New Orleans. I can't do this. There are memories that I just can't bear. Who do you think you're talking to? Have I given you the impression that any of this is optional? Why do I keep seeing you around my hotel? What do you want with my family? You just keep doing everything I tell you to do. And you will be just fine. What are you not telling me? Stay away from my family. The Max is hunting you down. Get him. That's not how this is going to play out. What is that? I think I know, but I can't remember the name of it. Brian Cranston? Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Yeah. That's who that was. Yeah. It's the second season of Your Honor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's been out a little while, honestly. Kid messes with the judge. I watched the first, what is mm. it, the first three it's episodes? Kid messes that were... with the judge? That's not what happens in that show. If you don't know, don't even don't don't talk about season one. I thought that was the first episode. I watched that because the first three episodes I think were available for free, and it was fantastic. It's I just it wasn't fantastic enough for me to sign up for that streaming service because I don't already have it, so I didn't sign up. Showtime. But yep. Showtime, yeah. But I mean, if they ever like maybe now that season two is out, if they release the rest of season one, I'm all in because yeah, it was all really on. good. It's all in. No, it's uh, Brian Cranston's a judge. His son, very early in the first episode, is involved in a hit and run. That's right. And so mm -hmm. his son, you know, there's some issues going on with 
his son, his son ran from the crime. You know, there's some extenuating circumstances. Uh, so this is season two of it. Completely different uh, setup. Uh, I can't. If you haven't seen season one, it's almost past the point of being able to like claim I didn't see it yet. Don't tell me. You know. Do they connect? Oh yeah. Do the seasons connect? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah it's okay. a continuation. Yeah, it's right. this is this is just the story. They just happened to hit pause kind of right there gotcha. between the seasons. So, well, that's much better than some of these shows where the same people are involved in a similar thing but different every every time. And you're like, how unlucky is this family? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't want to wake move. up. I don't want to wake up at that house. No, I thought that this was probably. I mean, right up there in terms of the writing of, you know, not witty writing like Succession and Billions and that sort of thing, but the drama. And suspense is right up there with any quality uh, writing. It's fantastic. And you liked it too, Doug. You liked the first couple. I of really did. No, I did like it. And now you got me thinking about it again. Like, well, maybe I'll subscribe to Showtime because it, no, it was I, solid. Well, and Billions is coming out again here pretty quick too. So Yeah, and there's something else on Showtime that's that you've told me about that I didn't watch. You tried to suck me in on I can get the early seasons of Billions now on uh, Amazon Prime. I think that's right, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby's coming back for the final season of Billions. I saw that. Bobby's back. I saw that. Although it's probably it's probably like one of those stupid things where he shows up in like the last episode or something. That guy doing American accent is so natural to me after Billions and Band of Brothers that when well, Homeland. He, at, he was like a major, major that's player right, in Homeland. In Homeland yeah. too. So so when I hear him being interviewed, it messes with my head. He's so good you know, at it. A little known secret, but he's actually faking his British accent. He's really American. <laughs> and he's just faking the British accent because he knows they sound more charming yeah. and smarter. So Yes. Yeah. That's, it's his PR people have told him. Yeah. Pretend. Yeah, and it's so good. easy to do a British accent. Duh. You do it all Damian the time. Damien Lewis. We've had British callers on our show before. <laughs> is that who it is? Damien Lewis? Is that the guy? It is Damien. Yeah. Was yeah. He, yeah. Uh, wasn't he in Lincoln too? Oh. I don't remember him Lincoln. in Lincoln. The movie with Daniel Day-Lewis? Daniel Day-Lewis, different guy. Forget it. Yeah. No, that's the other guy who's a good actor. Day-Lewis, Day Daniel, Damon. Damon D's and L's, uh, public some, cousins. Some guy doing something. Some dude. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine... You can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.